If you would this morning, turn with me to John chapter 14. The Gospel of John chapter 14. It's tough to kind of jump jump in in, in chapters uh, really 13 through 17 of John, uh, but we have to do it. I'm, I'm going to read from 15 to 31, but Jesus is in kind of a discourse here, uh, a continuous one, which is why I say it's kind of difficult to jump in the middle of it, but this is what we're going to do starting with verse 15 of 14. <clears throat> if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not, and does not keep my word, sorry, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I am leaving with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. Your Word that convicts. Your Word that separates. Your Word that makes clear. Lord, may these words this morning from John 14 penetrate our hearts, our soul, our person this morning. And may You see, help us to see clearly what it is You're calling us to do us to give up, us to start doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Looking at my life, um, 
as I said a few weeks back, you know, I, I've never felt at any one point in my life, and this is a blessing, it has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with those who have surrounded me in my life. I've never felt truly alone, truly at a place in my life where, where I felt I had no one to turn to for help. Now, that's a direct result of my parents, uh, my grandparents, who all love the Lord, who all have given their lives to God. It's a result of the Church of Jesus Christ, in particular in Decatur, Alabama, who I knew when I had issues I had people to go to, whether it be John David, as some of you might remember, or whether it might have been uh, Brother Buddy Long, who's still a pillar in that church. I never felt I had no one to turn to for help. And that's a great place to be as a person because trust me, in your life, as you've already found out, being the age you are, and whatever age that may be, uh, we need help. We need other people. It's really one of the first things one needs to learn about life is, is we need one another. We need another who Jesus says here, ultimately, is the Holy Spirit. Now, we always used to joke in my house that, that my dad was more like God the Father, uh, who, you know, is kind of the originator of the laws, of the rules of the house, and also kind of the enforcer, uh, which, you know, in the Old Testament, things can get pretty rough. You know, it's very cut and dry, very black and white, so to speak. Uh, between what is right and what is wrong. There's no middle ground. It's just right or wrong. And you either obey or you don't. Um, whereas we always joked, Justin and I, um, in our house, that Mother was more like the Holy Spirit, who, who is for us and kind of, you know, not that the Father isn't for us, you understand, but He's just for us in a different way, a more authoritarian way. Uh, whereas, whereas the Holy Spirit kind of comes alongside of us. And helps us. And that's how Mother did. You know, when we were getting in trouble, getting a spanking, she would be crying with us, almost hurting with us, you know, providing wash rags and whatnot for us. Um, She was always there. And, you know, as a kid, that kind of gets annoying, especially when you're 17 years old and your mother's still carrying a wash rag for you. Uh, You know, she always seemed to have a wet wash rag. I don't know where she would keep it, it would just all of a sudden appear. Uh, so I'm playing baseball, and I get hit in the eyeball with a, um, with a baseball that I didn't catch. And, uh, and she's out on the field with a wash rag immediately. You know, um, before, the, before I even drop, she's already out there. And, uh, you know, it's kind of embarrassing uh, a little bit. But at the same time, you know, you look back on your life and you say, and I'm able to say, and Jessica helped me to see that, you know, she was always there. And that means something. She was always there. Even when I got a job and was no longer playing baseball, but umpiring baseball, she came to my games because she just wanted to support me. You know what? We all need somebody like that in our life. Somebody that's cheering us on. Even we think it's dumb what we're doing, they're still saying, no, what you're doing is important and you're good at it. Somebody that is for us only. That's, that's powerful. And as I said a couple weeks back, it really ought to be something that all of us parents in here give as a gift to our children. Is a firm marriage. Is a firm commitment to them. 
And the firmest commitment you can make to them is to God first, and then to your spouse, and then to them. Put them third in that ranking system, not first. And trust me, they'll think they're first if you put them third. And that's the truth of the matter. Because when people start focusing on other things and losing their marriage and only focusing on the kids, when the marriage crumbles, so do the kids. It's a gift that you can offer to them just like what was offered for me and my brother. And as my brother and I, you know, he was celebrating his 30th birthday, we reminisced about about our life. And, you know, it's true. They were always there. And they're still always there. Even when I got in college and would run out of money, which happened often because I didn't have a job. Um, He was there. Dad was there. Even when I got on my own and thought I could do it my own and then got into a bind. Guess what? He's my first phone call. And I started thinking about us. I started thinking about our life and reading John 14. Jesus says, I'm going away. You won't see me anymore, but you will see me. Did you catch that? (laughs) You won't see me, but you will see me. And how is through another. I'm going to send another. And what does He say? Who is this other? Look in verse 16. I will give you another who is the Helper. And then in verse 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit. You know, Maybe my brother and I really were on to something. These helpers in our lives were people in our lives that were filled with, guess who? The Helper, the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Spirit, and it's appropriate because we're in Pentecost, the season of Pentecost which is kind of the season of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that in the, in, in the, uh, in the scheme of the church's calendar that we always follow here uh, and try to, try to represent in our services, the largest section of our year is due to the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a reason for that. Because we as Christians, as we learned last week and as we, as we said last week, we need God's Spirit in our life. God's Spirit is a necessity if we're ever to love other people, if we're ever to live the Christian life, if we're ever to walk with God, we must have His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We were made for God's Spirit. There's a place in us where He wants to dwell. And so this morning, I want to talk to you just briefly about a few things that the Helper comes to do in our life. The Helper who is the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Christ. Uh, The Holy Spirit has many names. Uh, The Father, you know, there's no other pronouns with that. But the Holy Spirit can be matched with uh, just by Himself. Spirit. The Spirit. Or Holy Spirit. Or the Holy Spirit. Or Spirit of Christ. Or Spirit of God. He's kind of broad. He's kind of... He's kind of big as far as the theme in Scripture. He's everywhere from beginning to end. We see Him in verse 1 and we see Him at the end of the Bible and all throughout. So the first thing the Spirit comes to do when when we receive the Spirit, when we convert to Christ, when we are uh, choosing to believe in Jesus, the first thing that the Spirit does is actually bring us to Jesus. It's the first thing we really ought to understand about the Holy Spirit is what He's doing is not trying to draw attention to Himself. 
And isn't that a beautiful thing? Again, it's exactly the way I think of my mother. My mother is selfless when it comes to pretty much everything. She's probably one of the most selfless people I know. Why? Because she has the Holy Spirit in her life. And the Holy Spirit is that same way. He is not concerned with making His name great. Instead, He's concerned with raising you up to Christ. Bringing you to God. You see, the interesting mystery about us is we think we found God, you know, whether it's at 17 or maybe at 24 or whenever it was we had a conversion experience. We think we found God, but the reality was God was bringing us to God. And He ultimately, He found us. Not we found Him. It's an amazing thing. He carries us through the whole thing. It's what Dr. Kinlock talks about as the law of the second witness. We think we've witnessed to somebody and that we've been the first contact with them and God. And that's never the case. God's Spirit is at work in every person in the world. And what an amazing thought that is. That's actually a very comforting thought because it's not all on us. We're not doing this mission thing, this evangelism thing, all by ourselves. God's Spirit is already at work in your co-workers. He's already at work in those people that are hard to get along with. Those family members. He's actually at work in their life. It's tough to see, trust me. But wasn't it tough to see in your own life? Don't you look back at some parts of your life and say, "Ah, woo. I don't know that the Spirit was active, and yet He was. Sometimes when people are diving into sin... They're actually calling out for help. Sometimes it's a last-ditch effort. Sometimes there's something deeper going on in their life. And for us to dismiss them is always wrong. We never just dismiss people. No matter how bad they get, the Holy Spirit does not give up on people. The Holy Spirit in our life will point us always to Jesus Christ. And of course, Jesus Christ does the exact same thing and He points to the Father. And the Father does the exact same thing and He points to the Holy Spirit and to His Son, who are His two hands in the world. It's this, you know, it's this uh, trinity of love. It's this, it's this trinity of deferment, deferring to the other, focused on the never self-centered, never self-focused. And that's exactly what the Spirit is going to do is kind of turn us inside out. When you have the Holy Spirit in your life, when you're filled with God's Spirit, you're not going to be self-focused. That is anti-Spirit. That's what Paul would call the flesh. Now when he says the flesh, he doesn't mean the body. He means something sinful in us that deals with our appetites whether it's overeating or whether it's gossiping at the tongue or whether it's sexual immorality. These are all things that flow from our body, but the body itself is not bad. We know that because God created all things good. And we also know that because Jesus took on a body. So the body is not antithetical to the Spirit. It's not opposed to the Spirit. But the flesh is. Our sin nature is what Paul calls the flesh. 
And the flesh wars against the Spirit. But what the Spirit is going to do in our life is turn the flesh outward. To where in our body, we actually use it for good. We actually help people with our tongue rather than condemn them. Rather than to, uh, to make ourselves look better by making them look bad. Instead, we uplift them. I mean, as we've said before here at Harvest Point, what if this week you just said one encouraging thing to people that don't even like you? Most of the time it's too much pride in here for us to even bow to that level. But what if we did? What if we just spoke a word of kindness to our spouse daily, to our children, affirm them, to those people around us? What kind of difference would that make? Again, the Spirit can turn our body into a temple of prayer, into the temple of God, which is exactly what He wants to do in us. So, He brings us to Jesus. The second thing is this, He convicts us of sin. And we feel that conviction. If we are a believer of Christ and we have the Holy Spirit, when we sin, we will feel conviction. Now, conviction is not condemnation. And, and really the best way for me to understand it, I hope it's helpful for you in some way, is, is the difference is this. When I sin and fail God, if I get a message coming in that says, you know, look, you did it again. Kind of like Brittany's, oops, I did it again. You know, uh, This is who you are. This is what you do. You did it again. That's not conviction. That's a condemning spirit that condemns you to that type of behavior. That says, you know what? That's you. That's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes to us and the message is, you're better than that, Marshall. You know you're better than that. You know that I can make you better than that. You know that you don't have to live in that. That's the Spirit of conviction. Do you see the difference there? There's not the weight of this is who you are and you cannot change. There's no, I can help. I can make this stop. I can give you a heart of love. I can give you words of kindness. I can give you true joy. Not leave you the way you are. That's that's good news, folks. That's why we call it the good news. That's good news for me, at least. Not only that, the Spirit comes to assure us of who we are. We forget so easily who we are. Um, as I said last week, you know, just like when you go to a, to a sports game. At the beginning of it, we remind ourselves that we're Americans. I love that about professional sports. And, and I guess even college sports, is the first thing we do is we basically salute to the flag, recite a creed to the flag, to our country in song, so that we can remind ourselves, you know what, the reason we can play this game is because we are a free nation, because we, we come from a strong heritage of liberty and freedom. You know what, in the church, we need that same assurance. And you know who, who brings that to our life? It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who tells us, you are a child of God. You're not a part of the world. You're in the world, but you're not a part of the world. You're better than that. You're a child of the King. All the resources of God 
are available to you. What a promise that is. What an assurance that ought to be in our own hearts. You are daughters of the King. You are women of God. Not of this world. Not of Satan. Not of whatever particular sin you struggle with. But instead of God. And He is here to help. He is the Helper. You know what? He brings an assurance to our life that we don't have to wonder Am I a Christian? Have to wonder, am I right with God? But we can know that. We can know it by His Spirit. He witnesses to our spirit. I mean, one simple thing that you can test is when you read the Bible, things ought to come alive. Why? Because you know the author who is the Spirit. I mean, when you have a conversion experience... Your before reading and your after reading is totally different. Your praying ought to be different. And most of all, as Jesus indicates here in John 14, your actions, your behavior ought to be different. I mean, he begins this, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. That's how we know that we love God is if we are keeping His commandments. We don't have to wonder. He also gives us the spirit of witness. We can witness to God's work in our life. When the Spirit is at work in us, there's always something to witness about. I mean, my witness for this week, uh, I would say, is, is uh, you know, here we are, because I wasn't getting paid from Calhoun over the summer, financially strained. I said a prayer one day. I said, Lord, I really, really, we really need some help here. I'm not sure how we're going to make it to the end of the month. Uh, we just, I need some money to come in. I, I just prayed a simple prayer like that. I mean, just straightforward. Why not tell God what you're really thinking? He already knows. And you know what? <laughs> the next day, a check came in. The next day, another check came in. The next day, another check came in. Uh, from different sources. But you know what? The ultimate source was God. <laughs> and I just said, well... Thank you, Lord. You thought we prayed for that, you know? Um, which is exactly the case, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, you know what? I can testify this week that the Spirit of God is at work. God is alive. He's not dead. Amen. He hears us. He sees us. We watched this show where the guy, he goes through this marriage counseling, and, and what he has to always tell his wife when he gets mad is, I see you and I hear you. You know what? That's what God says to us. You know, we're all he, he's getting mad with us. He's getting angry at us cuz we're we're fit. And he, you know what, son? I see you and I hear you. And that's good to know. I see you and I hear you. And he really does. Praise God he does. He also comes the Holy Spirit does to sanctify us. And that's a big term. We don't use it often. The reality is it's to set us apart to make us holy. It's the best way to understand sanctification. He's trying to polish us, fit us, tailor us for heaven. That's what He wants to do. That's what the church, that's what their church's job is to do, is to fit people for heaven. This is an outfit, so to speak. This is, this is practice for when we get up there. And He's fitting us for heaven. And the Holy Spirit, His job description, so to speak, is that His job is to fit 
Jessica for heaven. To fit me for heaven. To fit you for heaven. So that when we die, we can go be with God. It's what He's trying to do. He's trying to condition us. Train us to be holy. And you know what? That does take training. You know, just like uh, if you're going to run a marathon. Or if, if you're going to go bike riding. Mountain biking. You have to condition your muscles. You have to condition your, your cardiovascular system. If you don't, you're going to be out there uh, huffing and puffing like a train. <laughs> you know, and not be able to do it. And you know what? God, by His Spirit, is conditioning us. He wants to teach us to pray. He wants us to teach us to read our Bible. He wants to teach us how to witness. And yet, we don't make time for it. That's our problem. That's my problem. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. It's my problem. I don't give Him time to condition. We know we need to be... We, we, you know, today, some of us are going to watch certain, certain athletic games that we know those people better be training. They better be practicing. And we demand it of them, and yet we don't demand it of ourselves. And we're in something far greater than just a game. This has people's lives. This has your children's lives that are in the matter of this. They need you to train for righteousness. Train to be holy. It starts with training. And the Holy Spirit is there coaching us, pushing us, and carrying us sometimes, quite frankly. He's the one who makes us holy. He is, after all, the Holy Spirit. It's what He comes to do. It's what He comes to make us. And then also, He gives us gifts. Don't you like people who give you gifts? You know, my brother, it was his birthday, and he got this GoPro camera that you can put on his helmet or on his body or on his bike or on his gun. It goes everywhere. and does every, you know, It has all this balanced stuff going. It's HD. It was a cool gift. I was thinking I, was, I wish it was my birthday. You know? I was already calculating what I want for Christmas and what I want for my birthday, you know? Because we like gifts. And you know what? God's Spirit gives us gifts. There are gifts of communication in the Bible, gifts of speaking, pastors, teachers, um, prophets, tongues, interpretation. There are gifts of doing, healings, faith, Giving, there are gifts of knowledge, wisdom, discernment. He gives us all certain gifts. And then He places us in in His body, in the church, so that we all have different functions. Some of us are behind the scenes. But just like the parts of our body that are behind the scenes can be some of the most important ones. And some of the most seen ones kind of kind of get the the preeminence, but they can't do their job without the other systems. And all systems are important. All systems got to be a go. That's why your gifts need to be integrated into the church of God. And you know what? The Spirit has given everybody gifts. Everybody has certain gifts. Everybody does. Gift of encouragement. There are many many gifts. But then you know what? There's also the fruits of the Spirit. 
So He gives us gifts, but He also all gives us fruits. Now the difference is this. Not everybody's going to preach. Not everybody's going to teach. Not everybody's going to sing. Not everybody's going to have the gift of, of faith or encouragement. But everyone is to have the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you don't... You don't no, oh no, I just have the love thing. I don't have the patience thing. That's not for me. God didn't bless me with that. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. But the fruits of the Spirit are for everyone. Let me repeat that again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's for everyone that has the Spirit of God. And we need to practice those things. Trust me. We all need to practice those things. That short little list is very difficult to carry out from week to week. And then lastly, the Spirit not only brings us to Jesus, not only convicts us of sin, assures us, sanctifies us, gives us gifts, but He also leads us. In a real way this week, you can be led by God's Spirit. And what a thought that... Just that one thought there. I mean, I've given you a lot of thoughts here today about the Spirit. But just that one thought there that He could lead you this week. That He could nudge you and say, go talk to that person. Go sit with that person. Go, go just have a kind word for them. An encouraging prayer for them. Pray for your enemies. Just those little nudges that we have that we normally don't obey. What if we obeyed them this week? What if I obeyed them this week in my own life? You see, we can really be led by God. And if you're at big decisions in your life, I, you know, there's no telling at any one point what people are dealing with. God's Spirit can lead us. How do we know His leading? Through prayer. Through reading the Bible. Through the different circumstances that come our way. And through other people. That's how you know God's will. If you want to know God's will for your life, follow those four things. Pray about it. Read the Scriptures and look for what He wants you to do. Go to those people in your life that you know you can trust. Your mentors. The people that are for you. And ask them about it. And then lastly, look at the circumstances. You know, what we call open doors. Those are just four ways that that you can know God's will and be led by His Spirit. So let me ask you this morning. Do you know the Helper? Have you fully submitted to the Helper? who Jesus Himself sent along with the Father, who comes to our life and points to Jesus, who assures us of our salvation, convicts us where we need to be convicted, gives us gifts for service for others. Are you quenching the Spirit in your life? Are you grieving the Holy Spirit in your life? This morning, our response uh, is going to be toward the Holy Spirit. Again, just as we had last week. I pray that He has said things to you that I didn't even say. Because that's His job. I I can't make things happen, but He can. You can with Him. Let Him help you today. 
We all need those people that are there for us always. And He's the one. Don't mistreat Him. Let Him know that you love Him. Let Him know that today you appreciate all His help over, over all the years of your life. You know, I'm, I'm able to say of Justin, my younger brother, I've known you all 30 years of your life and I love, I've loved you all 30 years of your life. I mean, He, he is my best friend. The Holy Spirit can say the same thing about every one of us. He knew us even before we came out of the womb. And He's there to help us. Let Him help you today. Amen. Let's all stand.